And the reason that Jesus was able to do this is that he was not caught up so much in their sin, but he was caught up in their need. Yes, he recognized their sin, but he also recognized their need. Hi, this is Pastor Jones. Blessings and peace from God to you. I've got an important question for you today. Is there someone that you wouldn't allow to come and have dinner with you? Is there someone that you would not sit down and enjoy a meal with? Is there people in a certain condition or a certain status or state of life that you would not enjoy fellowship with? Well, today's message is dealing with just that, asking the question, who's at your table? Let's go into the message. Amen, amen, amen. Indeed, great is the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. First, giving honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and to all of God's people, to Reverend Wanda Cuthbertson, to uh, all of our families and members and friends of the Wesley AME Zion Church, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Amen. Greetings in his name. As we turn our attention to uh, the book of Luke uh, one more time, and I know some people may be saying, well, we've been dealing with Luke for the last four weeks and uh, we've kind of went in reverse order. Uh, we dealt with verses 3 through 32 in the previous three weeks. And now I want to come back to the first two verses where it all starts, the first two verses where everything begins. And in Luke chapter 2 or chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse 1, it reads, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he associates with such sinful people, even eating with them. Amen. I want to share today from the subject of who's at your table? Who's at your table? Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for each and every day, God, and we thank you for this day, Lord. A day that you've made that will never come again. A day that you've blessed us with. Now, Father, I pray that you help us to make the most of it. And God, I pray most of all that you would help me to make the most of this moment. Allow me to share, O oh God, a word that will bless your people. A word, O oh Lord, that will give us the, the move, moving power that we need, O oh God. A word, O oh God, that will bless our lives. A word, Father, that would motivate us to share the gospel, the good news. And I pray, Lord, that you would prepare my heart and my mind. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me afresh. Use me for your will and for your glory. And then I pray, Father, that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes for we want to see Jesus. Then open our hearts that we might receive him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. Who's at your table? As we make our way deeper into the summer months, we will find out that we are now embarking on the cookout season, the barbecue season, the the family reunions and the wedding season, or it's just a nice day. Let's call some people over and cook out, or let's just call some people over and fix some food. Yes, we entered into that season where people began to fellowship and 
and begin to enjoy the company of one another. See, all of these things have one thing in common, food. No matter what culture or background you're from, food plays a great part in our lives. And food and fellowship are synonymous with one another. But some of our best memories have come as a result of gathering around food. Some of our best memories from family reunions, from, from family functions have come because we've gathered together and we've gathered together to enjoy a meal. We've gathered together to enjoy some food. We've gathered together that we might enjoy fellowship one with another. Can't you see the, the laughter now taking place at the, the last family function that you were at? Can't you feel the joy that was there? Can't you sense the, the spirit of unity that was there? Yes, we all engaged in an activity, but it was gathering around that meal that made it something different. It's gathering around a cookout with family and friends that, that makes it special. It's, it's that, that fellowship that we experienced at the family reunion that, that we would come together on that once a year or, or however often you have it, that we get together and we enjoy a meal with one another. And we realize we make some good memories. We make some lasting memories because somebody invited us to a meal. But when we think about that and we think about how often we engage in eating and how we use meals to celebrate, when you think about the graduation ceremonies, the anniversaries, the job promotions, the business deals, sometimes they're all done over dinner or they're done in an eating environment. Yes, it's a celebration of somebody's achievement. It's the celebration of some accomplishment that someone has gotten in their life and we decide that let's go out to dinner, let's go out and have a meal. Eating is a very important part of our life. Eating is a very important part of our culture. But sometimes I don't think we realize the importance that we uh, eating has in our life or the importance of the fellowship centered around eating has in our life. And I believe that's one of the reasons that so many of us uh, have been struggling greatly within the midst of this pandemic is because we have not been able to go out and to fellowship. We have not been able to go out and to eat with our loved ones. We have not been able to go out and experience life around a meal like we used to and like we want to or, or we desire. And we simply want people to understand and know that we want to have that fellowship with them. We want to be there with them. We want to engage with them. We want to help them to have this fellowship and we want them to relate to us, but it's difficult because we can't gather like we desire. But when I began to look at this text and, and I began to think about, you know, how many times has, has grandmama known something was wrong in our lives? Has grandmama said, come on over here and I'll, I'll fix you something to eat. Or you got to grandmama's house and she saw how, how sad your face looked. She saw, your body posture didn't look right. And she said, come on in the kitchen. Let me, let me fix you something to eat. It wasn't the food that was making everything all right. It wasn't the food that was making you feel better, but it was simply being in the presence of grandma. It was simply being in her presence and the fellowship that she gave you. It was simply being in her presence and having that listening ear. And as you shared what was on your heart, as you shared what you were going through, as you shared what you were dealing with, she was that listening ear. But not only was she that listening ear, but she was also that voice of reason, that voice of wisdom. Yeah, and I know sometimes we didn't listen to the wisdom that she gave us. 
and we paid for it dearly. But when we think about the meals that we shared with grandma, when we think about how would she know the, that, that we needed to sit down and have a meal? Well, if she understood that it wasn't really about the meal, it wasn't really about the food. You just needed someone to fellowship with. You just needed someone to make connection with. You just needed someone in that moment to, to let you know that you were loved. You just needed someone in that moment to say, come and sit with me. And that's what grandmama understood. That's what she knew. And she was willing to be that person that you could just come and sit with and experience the fellowship and experience life and experience the healing that came into our life when we had that meal with grandma. Well, I began to think about this gospel and, and you think about the life of Jesus. And I know some people have made the joke that you can tell that Jesus was black because of all of the eating that he did. Yeah, it was always some event that was happening that would cause them to come together and eat. And when you look at the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the gospel of Luke, the gospel of Luke is filled with opportunities of eating. It's filled with opportunities of sharing a meal with Jesus. If you just look, it says that Levi invited Jesus to his house for a meal. It says that Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to his house for a meal, even though he had the wrong motive and reason. Yes, and Jesus shared a meal with 5,000 as he fed the 5,000 out in the wilderness. And Jesus went to eat at Mary and Martha's house. And yes, and remember, Jesus ate the last supper with his disciples. And see, throughout the gospel, look, Jesus is going to a meal. He's at a meal or he's coming from a meal. Yes, Jesus is just like the storm for many people. He's either at a meal, going to a meal or coming from a meal. But I want us to know today that it's not so much what we eat, but it's who we have at our table. Is our table open to everyone? Is our table open to the sinners? Is our table open to those who are unsinful or, or so-called righteous? Is our table open to the whosoever wills? And the first thing that I want us to see and to understand out of our text is this. Jesus attracts sinners. Yes, when we understand that Jesus attracts sinners, it was Jesus, something about Jesus that allowed sinners to come and gravitate to him. Yes, the text says in verse one, that tax collectors and sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Yes, they came to listen to Jesus teach. But I began to think what would draw people to Jesus? And I know the first thing that may come to our minds is maybe they came to him for the miracles that he did. Yes, maybe they came because they saw him heal blind people. Maybe they came because they saw him make lame people walk again. Maybe they came because of all of the great miracles that they saw Jesus perform. But the text says that they came because of his teachings. Well, maybe we have to ask the question, well, what was Jesus teaching that caused these sinners to come to him? What was Jesus teaching that caused the sinners to gravitate to him? Was he teaching something in a way that was palatable for them? Was he teaching something in a way that was more acceptable for them? No, Jesus was teaching the true word of God. And in oftentimes, Jesus was teaching messages that went against their lifestyle. So what was it that was drawing them to Jesus? What was it that was drawing them to him? If it wasn't the miracles, what was it that was drawing them to the teachings of Jesus. They came to hear and teach 
even though it went against the lifestyles that they were living. And when we understand that Jesus hung out with sinners because that's who he came for. And we have to understand that his message was geared around his care for them, his love for them, his sincerity in his fellowship for them, his concern for them. Yes, Jesus was authentic in his ministry. Maybe that's a lesson for us that we've got to learn to be authentic in our ministry. We've got to learn to be real in our ministry. We've got to learn to be real in our love. We've got to learn to be real in our fellowship. We've got to learn to be real when our concern for those who are lost, real for those who are not in the circle that, that we usually uh, go along with. But we've got to be willing to accept those who may be outside of our circle. Our text today is starts off at the end of chapter 14 after Jesus has been at the house of one of the, at the Pharisees and they have began to tell parable after parable, helping them to understand. And then when we come to chapter 15, Jesus begins to tell them the parable that addresses them specifically. But before we get to the, the parable that were told, we find out that these, these Pharisees were angry. They were upset with Jesus. Why would you be so upset with Jesus? Why, why would you be so upset with one who has come from God? Why would you be so upset with one who has declared that he's one with God? Well, the reason for being upset was because Jesus was receiving sinners. Because Jesus was attracting sinners to him. Because Jesus was willing to let a woman of ill repute touch him because Jesus was willing to touch a leprous man because Jesus was willing to reach into anybody's life that was willing to let him because Jesus was willing to associate with sinners because Jesus was willing to accept those who are unacceptable by society. They were upset with Jesus because he had begun to hang out with tax collectors and sinners. But we understand that Jesus attracted them. It said that they came and they followed after Jesus. They came to hear his teachings. Jesus was teaching not the things that they wanted to hear. He didn't teach because they had itching ears, but Jesus taught the truth that needed to be followed. He taught the truth that they needed to live by. And they were willing to come and hear his teaching because Jesus was authentic in his ministry. Because Jesus understood, this is who I came for. He says, I did not come for those who are well but I came for those who are sick. I did not come for those who got it all together, but I came for those whose lives are messed up. And in case you don't get it, he came for me and he came for you. Yes, he came for me because my life was messed up. He came for you because your life was messed up. And yes, I still need him to come for me every now and then because my life still gets messed up every now and then. And if we all tell the truth every now and then, we need to have Jesus be willing to associate with us because we can still be a sinful people. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say I'm coming only for those who are perfect. I'm so glad he didn't say that I'm only coming for those who have kept the law and have kept it all of their lives. I'm so glad that he didn't say I'm coming only for the righteous. But he says, I'm coming for those who are sick. I'm coming for those who are lost. I'm coming for those who are sinful. And that included me. And I'm so glad that when he came, he called upon me and I had enough sense to answer the call and accept the invitation to dinner. I'm so glad that Jesus wanted me in his life. I'm so glad that Jesus wanted me to be a part of the family. I'm so glad that he was willing to hang out with sinners because that means he was willing to hang out with me. I'm so glad that Jesus was... A 
attracting me to him. I'm so glad that Jesus attracted sinners to his ministry. Yes, there were some other folk that came following his ministry too. Because if you pay attention, the Pharisees were following Jesus. The Pharisees were also attracted to Jesus, but for the wrong reason. Every chance they got, they looked to tear him down. Every chance they got, they looked to persecute him. Every chance they got, they looked to tear up his name. Every chance they got, they were looking for opportunity to kill Jesus. But Jesus said, I didn't come for those who had it all together. I didn't come for those who think that they, they all of that. I came for those who are sinners. I came for those who recognize their condition. And when I understand Jesus attracted them, he wasn't attracted to their sin, but he was attracted to their need. When Jesus came into that village, whatever he came, he would bring sinners into his presence because they were attracted to him. Jesus understood that you got a need in your life that needs to be addressed. And I'm willing to address it with love. I'm willing to address it with compassion. I'm willing to address it with the truth of my father's word. And Jesus was attracting sinner after sinner into his life. He was attracting sinner after sinner to come and to be a part of the kingdom of God. He was telling folk that there is hope for you. He was telling them there is a cost to discipleship. And these people were willing to make that decision. Why were sinners willing to change their lives and come and follow Jesus? Why did Matthew change his life and come and follow Jesus when he was a tax collector, one who was ripping off his own people, one who was considered a an outcast. What made him change his life? What made him give up the, the business that he had and began to follow Jesus? He was making money hand over fist and he had a good life going for himself, but he was willing to give it all up to follow Jesus. What made Matthew do that? What made him give it all up just to follow Jesus? The question for us is what's going to take for us to give it all up to follow Jesus? What is it going to take for us to get our senses together and come and follow the master? What is it going to take for us to hear the truth of God's word? and to follow him. What is it going to take for us that we might find ourselves following Jesus Christ? Because he came for those who are sinful. He came for those who are lost. He came for those who are sick. He said, those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. And he said, I came for the lost. I came for those who are sick. I came for those who are considered sinners. That's why Jesus attracted sinners. Because he knew who he came for. He understood his target audience. And he realized that I've come for those who are lost. I'm not have, I don't have the message for those who think they got it all together. I don't have a message for those who think they're righteous. But I've got a message for those who understand that they're lost. I've got a message for those who understand that they need God in their lives. I've got a message for those who realize that they are a sinner. And that message is, there's hope for you. There's hope because God is calling you. There's hope for you because God wants you to be in his family. There is hope for you because God is going to do something miraculous to bring you into his family. There is hope for you because I came to give my life a ransom for many. Yes, there was hope for us and there was hope for those back in that time because Jesus Christ was attracting sinners into his life. When I think about the text and you go to verse 2, we begin to see that Jesus also fellowshiped with sinners. Yes, Jesus fellowship with sinners. When you think about the fact that Jesus allowed sinful people to gather around him, this, this messed the Pharisees up. They couldn't stand the fact that Jesus was allowing sinners to be in his presence. How can he say that he's one with God and at the same time associate with sinful people? 
How can you say you're one with God when you're hanging out with prostitutes and, and drunkards? How can you say that you're one with God when you're hanging out with tax collectors? How can you say you're one with God when you're hanging out with all of the wrong people in society? Well, Jesus understood that he had to associate with sinners. He understood if I'm going to win the loss, I've got to meet the loss. If I'm going to win the loss, I've got to spend some time with the loss. If I'm going to heal those who are sick, I've got to spend some time ministering to them. How can we minister to a sick world if we're not willing to spend time with the sick world? How can we expect to win a sinner to Christ if we're never willing to spend any time with a sinner? How can we ever spend uh, not uh, spend no time with sinners and expect them to hear the gospel message if nobody that is righteous is willing to go and share with them? Yes, if we are not willing to go and share the gospel, the good news, if we're not willing to tell them the message of Christ, if we're not willing to talk with sinners, if we're not willing to sit down at dinner or at lunch and talk with a sinner, if we're not willing to sit down and have a meal with them, then who will ever talk to them? Maybe that's why the, the world has a, such a problem with the church today. We're unwilling to sit down and eat with sinners. We're unwilling to sit down and have fellowship with sinners. We're unwilling to recognize that they were in the same position that we were once in. What makes us so high and mighty now? What makes us to the point now that we are better than them? Nothing. The only difference between them and us is the salvation that we receive from Jesus Christ. And we should be willing and we should be desiring that they have that same salvation. So it's now up to us to sit down with sinners and have a meal. It's up to us to sit down with sinners and begin to tell them about Jesus Christ. It's up to us to have fellowship with sinners that we might win them to the kingdom. You might come out smelling like weed, but just sit down and have a dinner with them. Yet they may be as drunk as all get out, but spend some time with them and fellowship with them and tell them about Jesus Christ. You never know whose life you can turn around. You never know who will open their ear to hear the gospel message. You never know who's available and who's God wants to use, uh, how God wants to use you to bring them into this kingdom. When we understand that God has a mission for us, he has a mandate for the church. And that mandate is to win lost souls for his kingdom. He has to be, we have to be willing to go out and accept those who are not on the level that we're on. We have to be willing to go out and accept those who are living a lifestyle that we don't agree with. It's not that Jesus was going amongst these people and living like them. It wasn't that he was condoning what they were doing. But Jesus understood, I still got to minister to them. Even though I don't agree with your lifestyle, I'm still going to minister to you. Even though I, I may not indulge in the things that you indulge in, I can still hang out and fellowship with you. I'm just going to do things in a different way. The one thing that we can take away from this is Jesus hung out with sinners without them affecting him. He hung out with sinners without them bringing him into their stuff. Yes, we've got to learn to fellowship with, with people that we consider sinners. We've got to learn to fellowship with people that we consider lost, but not get caught up in the things that they're caught up in. Now, maybe if you have some propensity in an area that they're caught up in, maybe you don't need to fellowship with them right at that moment. Maybe you need to pray from a distance. But if you can go into that environment and fellowship and minister to them, it's our job, it's our duty, it's our obligation to do so. And the reason that Jesus was able to do this is that he was not caught up so much in their sin, but he was caught up in their need. Yes, he recognized their sin, but he also recognized their need. 
Yes, it was their need that Jesus was after. He wasn't accepting of their sin, but he was accepting of their need. We've got to learn to do the same thing. We don't be accepting of their sin, but we're accepting of their need. We're accepting of their need for a savior. We're accepting of their need to have the life transformed. We're accepting of the need that they might be delivered from whatever's ailing their life. We're accepting of the need that they have in their life. It's not about us coming into the life and pointing out everything that is wrong. It's not about us coming and showing how great we are. It's about us coming alongside them and recognizing that we have a message to share with them, that we have a message that will help them, that we have a message that will deliver them, that we have a message that will bring them out of their lost state and bring them into the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. It's when we're willing to sit down and fellowship. It's when we're willing to hang out. Do we have a message that is attracting lost people to us? Do we have a message that bringing them into our atmosphere? If so, then it's our job to fellowship with them that we might win their souls for the kingdom. It's our job to fellowship with them that we might bring them into the kingdom of God, that we might bring them into the body of Christ. But how can we bring them into the body of Christ if we don't see their need? How can we bring them into the body of Christ if we're not willing to share the gospel, the good news with them? And that was the problem that the Pharisees had. The Pharisees were so uppity, they were so mighty and so righteous in their own thinking that they were unwilling to even teach a sinner about the law. Can you imagine that? You got the law of God right there and you're unwilling to share it with anyone else. You are a, a, a law writer, you are a law professor, but you're unwilling to share the law with those who need it the most because you consider them unrighteous, you consider them unworthy of your presence. Let us not be so high and mighty that we're unwilling to go into the presence of those that we consider lost. Let us be not so righteous and self-righteous that we're unwilling to share with people who needed the most the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let us be willing to give of our time, our substance, and our resource, to give of our life, to give of what God has placed on the inside of us that we might help somebody else come to a right relationship with God. That we might help somebody else, another sick soul, to be healed another lost soul to be found, another sinner to be transformed into a saved saint of God. It's our duty and our responsibility to fellowship with sinners. If Jesus came for the sinners, then what do we think we ought to be doing? Shouldn't we also be coming for the sinners? Shouldn't we also be hanging out with the sinners? Shouldn't we also be hanging out with those who are considered unrighteous and unholy? Shouldn't we be hanging out with them to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? Don't get caught up, but hang out and share the good news. Don't get caught up, but tell them the truth and the story of Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up, but tell them the message with love and compassion. Don't get caught up, but tell them with a sincere heart that you've got a message that will deliver their souls. Tell them, and if you attract them to you, God has given you an opportunity to win a soul. God has given you an opportunity to share the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And when we understand that the re religious leaders, the Pharisees were unwilling to touch the lives of people. We've got to understand that that's not a lesson for us to take an example from. But we've got to learn to take an example from Jesus. Be willing to touch the lives of those who are lost. Be willing to touch the lives of those who are down and out. Be willing to touch the lives of those who don't see a way out. Be willing to touch the lives of those who don't have an answer. Be willing to share with them how we got healed. Be willing to share with them how we got delivered. Be willing to share with them how we got set free. Be willing to share with them how our lives got transformed. Be willing to share with them.
out what Christ has done for us. And when we're able to do this, we'll begin to do what Jesus Christ did. We'll begin to win lost souls for the kingdom because we were willing to, first of all, attract sinners into our lives. And then we were willing to fellowship with what we call sinful people. We were willing to have a meal with them. Yeah, that you can have nothing more intimate than to sit down and eat with an individual. Haven't you realized that we don't just invite any and everybody to our house for dinner? Why is that the case? Because we don't consider any and everybody worthy of coming to our table. That's why today we're asking the question, who's at your table? Who is at the table that you sat? Who is at the table where you fellowship? Who is at the table where you have that time of intimacy? What type of people are at the table? Is everybody at the table considered righteous? Or are there some people at the table who are considered sinners and unrighteous? We must ask that individual question of ourselves. Who's at my table? Are there sinners at my table? Are there sinners that are comfortable coming into my presence because they know, first of all, that I'm going to uphold the standard of God. But they're still comfortable because they know I have genuine love. I have genuine concern. I have genuine compassion for them. I have a genuine care and concern for how their life is going to turn out. When we demonstrate that type of love, when we demonstrate that type of care and concern, when we're authentic and real in our love and our ministry and our work for God, people will begin to understand, even if they don't live like we live or believe what we believe, we still can attract sinners into our world. When you go back and you look at the end of verse 14, it ends with Jesus saying, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And isn't it amazing that the next verse in chapter 15 says that sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Is it possible that the sinners had the ear to hear? Is it possible but that those that are lost or that we consider sinners have an ear to hear, but we're just unwilling to share? We're just unwilling to give the message. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And if you have a, a message he who is willing to listen, share that message. Invite people to your table that don't look like you. Invite people to your table that don't act like you. Invite people to your table who don't know what you know. Invite people to your table who are considered sinners that we might be able to fellowship and share the message of Christ with them. It's important that we share this message with the lost world because Jesus came for those who are sinners. Jesus came for the sick. So that's our job, our duty, and our obligation is to be about our Father's business, to also be about going after lost souls and sinners. So I pray that we understand today that we gotta just have, we gotta have more than just the righteous people at our table. We gotta have more than just Christians at our table. That we gotta make room at our table for sinners. We got to make room at our table for those who are considered outside of the body of Christ. We got to make room at our table for those who are considered unworthy. We were once unworthy, but praise be to God. He made us worthy. 
So I pray that we make room at our tables for sinners. We make room at our table for those who are lost. That we make room at our table for those who are sick. And that we do the work of the ministry. And we do like Jesus did. We attract them and we fellowship with them. And then we share the message that will heal them. When we think about what God has done in our lives, we should want it for everyone. We should want it for every individual out there. And I pray right now that if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer with me. Father, I come now and I recognize, God, that I'm not at the table. I recognize, Lord, that you have prepared a great feast, but I'm not there. God, I know you want me to be there, but and I ask God that right now that you accept my soul into your kingdom. I ask right now, God, that you save me. I ask right now, God, that you come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, oh God, for my faults and my flaws. Forgive me, Lord, for the wrong that I've done. Save me, God. Save me and bring me into your kingdom. And Father, I'll do the same that you've done for me. I'll share the message with others. I'll tell others about how to come into the kingdom of God. I'll sit down at the table and fellowship with them. I'll sit down at the table and eat with them. Because God, I know you want them to be saved. So I ask God that you will come in and forgive me of my sins. And I thank you for saving me, Lord. Now I ask God that you will fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you. I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed that prayer, why don't you drop us a line at WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com. That's WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com. Now let us know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We want to connect with you to help you to grow. We want to connect with you that we might help you on this new journey that you're on. And maybe you say you're not ready yet. Still connect with us anyway. We invite you to the table of Wesley. We invite you to come and fellowship with us. Doesn't matter your condition. Doesn't matter what stage in life you're in. Come and fellowship with us. There's room at our table. There's room for you, no matter what your condition is. So just drop us a line at WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com to let us know that you've accepted Jesus Christ or you just want to fellowship with us. We'd be glad to have you. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, drop us an email at WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com. That's WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com to let us know how this message has touched your life. Until next time, God bless.